Section D. René Descartes, 1596-1650 Descartes is the first modern philosopher. In him and Kant are most characteristically found all the features of modern thought. This is why we shall concentrate on these two, referring the reader to any standard history for all the rest. Descartes' chief work is The Discourse on Method, whose starting point is the rejection of all received knowledge, whether from the faith, from the past, or from the senses. See section A and B. This leaves me alone with my thought. I am thinking, cogito in Latin. So cogito becomes the starting point of philosophy. After having cast the faith, the past, and the senses into doubt, cogito becomes the first certainty. But doubt and certainty are two subjective states of mind. Therefore, philosophy becomes subjective thinking, centered on man, no longer on reality. The only certainty I have, says Descartes, is that I am thinking. Therefore, this has to be the beginning of philosophy, and it means that my being is thinking. It is by thinking that I am. In Latin, cogito ergo sum. This is the essence of modern philosophy, making human thought the center of all reality, subjectifying reality. Previously, Protestantism had subjectified the faith. Descartes was now subjectifying reason. The humanist trend, see chapter 44, section B, the tide had not stopped ever since, despite all the effort of the church to make man return to God as the only foundation and guarantor of a genuine humanism that truly loves man and respects his dignity and rights. A great deal of doctrine, piety, and humility is needed not to be swept by this tide. From the cogito, Descartes proceeds to prove the existence of God. He could not do so, as St. Thomas does, by starting from sense experience, see chapter 21 and 22. As he had cast all sense knowledge into doubt, he was sure only of his own thinking, not of what the thinking was about, but of the thinking itself. Descartes is sure only of himself. And how does he prove that God exists then? He says, I have the innate idea of the most perfect being, but I am not the most perfect being. Therefore, there must be a most perfect being who has put this idea into my mind. This, however, does not prove anything. St. Thomas has already rejected this kind of argument, saying that from an idea, one cannot prove the existence of anything in reality. In order to do this, one has to start from reality itself, not from an idea in the mind. Many philosophers after Descartes rejected his argument for the existence of God, while fully accepting his subjective starting point and ending up either in agnosticism or in downright atheism. Regarding man, Descartes also runs into difficulties. Since he is put into doubt what he receives through the senses, how do we know that we have a body? We feel our body through the senses. Therefore, I have to doubt the existence of my body. I cannot be sure of it. On the other hand, I am sure that I am thinking. 
Therefore, my thinking must be something different from my body, namely, the soul, the spiritual soul as distinct from the material body. What I am sure of, therefore, is that I am a soul, and that the being of my soul is thinking. My thinking is my being. See chapter 25, sections B and C. And what about my body? I will have to prove whether it exists or not, and I have to prove this through ideas, through thinking. He proves it in this way. In my sensations I feel passive, i.e. at the receiving end. I cannot change them at will, I receive them. Consequently, there must be something outside me that causes my sensations, and this can only be either God or the things themselves. But the most perfect being would not deceive me by making me feel that there are things outside me which would not in fact exist, and so it must be the things themselves that cause my sensations of them. Thus, he proves the existence of the world outside himself by means of the idea of cause, which presumably must be innate too. He thereby inverts the natural order of things by proving what is most evident, the world, through what is less evident, an idea in my mind. Another manifestation of his subjectivism. This Cartesian theory also came under fire from many subsequent philosophers, but they all likewise retained the subjective, immanentistic starting point. What is man then for Descartes? A spirit and a body neatly dichotomized and essentially different. See chapter 25, section B and C. The latter is nothing but extension, and the former is pure thought. Man is a ghost in a machine. This is the Cartesian idea of man, already at odds with Christianity and with the metaphysics of Esse. See the Appendix 2 and Passim in Metaphysics of Man. Descartes splits man into two, instead of distinguishing in order to unite. See chapter 46, section E. He separates or dichotomizes. This is also a consequence of his subjectivism, which makes him accept ideas only if they are clear and distinct, like mathematical ideas, because only they beget certainty in the mind. Truth is not what matters, but certainty. This is what leads him to reduce the idea of spirit to thought, and the idea of matter to extension. How then do soul and body communicate in man if they exclude each other so sharply, so mathematically? The soul is active and qualitative, the body is passive and quantitative. How can they communicate with each other? Here he turns to philosophy fiction, contradicting his own principle of accepting only clear and distinct ideas. He turns to a nebulous theory according to which there are certain vapors called animal spirits through which body and soul communicate and which are emitted by the pineal gland in the brain. Because this gland is the only asymmetrical point of the human body, this is a standard joke in the history of philosophy. Of course, nobody accepted this theory, but again, most thinkers have accepted his subjective starting point, branching off then into either idealism, all is thought, or materialism, all is matter. Lastly, Cartesian ethics can be summarized in three principles. 1. Reason 
can know God and all that is in man, rationalism. 2. The only virtue we should practice is firmness in following our own reason, voluntarism. 3. We should not wish what is impossible and should not repent from our errors, humanism.